And I guess that's a, a kind of a fine line in terms of number of bedrooms, because you can get more, you know, nightly or weekly with more bedrooms. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey, and welcome back to another awesome week. So today we switch things up a little bit and I am on the hot seat. I'm the one being interviewed and I had a guest that was a podcast listener reach out Michelle Spencer and asked me some questions about the cottage rental and all that good stuff and I said you know what why don't we do something different and you interview me and I will share what I know about the short-term rental industry cottage rentals and you know what is really cool and I want to congratulate you Michelle Michelle went out and bought an awesome cottage after the podcast and has uh, has done really well on it. Um, and that is that is awesome. I want to thank Michelle for stepping out of her comfort zone and uh, being the interviewer and asking so many awesome questions, really preparing and you know, taking action, which is also really cool to see. And I'll tell you this cottage rental industry these days have absolutely gone insane. I literally put an offer in on one like last week. By the time you guys hear this, it might be a couple weeks later. And there were like 10 offers and it went $275,000 over asking. And we did go over asking as well because it was price low for a bidding war and they were holding offers. But this market is insane, insane. At some point, I don't think it's gonna last forever. But um, I'll tell you, the cottage rental market, even this summer and even to the fall, has been on fire and doing awesome. And I'll tell you, for some reason, I can probably figure out why people want to get away and be more in nature and be on the water and get away from the city more and more. So it's getting harder to find cottage rentals. It's not impossible, but we talk about all of that and uh, what to do to get great renters, but also the the best types of cottages that I prefer. So anything cottage industry-wise that you guys have questions about, again, you know, it's not like I have thousands of them either. I'm happy to help answer questions, but I will tell you it is my favorite investment by far. I've done awesome with it and uh, I definitely want more. They're just harder and harder to get because now we're competing against a lot of non-investors and uh, people that are looking for their forever type of cottage. So I can't compete with that. I can't pay $275,000 over asking either, but there are some great opportunities that will come. Um, and some of them might be here and they might just not be exactly where I'm personally looking, but I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. And I will tell you there's two more days, September 13th to join the Burr course that I'm going to be doing that's going to last about two and a half months. If you guys are interested in learning how to burr properties and build wealth and retire early, feel free to join. And that information is on my website, sarahlarby.com. Go to the Burr section and you can read all about it. Reach out to me if you have any questions. But if you plan on joining, September 13th is our first official call day. So be there prior and uh Hopefully, hopefully you guys uh, enjoy this podcast and thank you, Michelle, also for being uh, the interviewer and me, the interviewee and asking so many great questions. So let's do it. Michelle, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. How are you? Good, good. So we're switching it up today and I'm going to be interviewed by you and uh, I'm super excited. You reached out 
to me a little while ago by email and you had some great questions. I'm like, you know what? Why don't you host this episode of the podcast and we can have that conversation? So welcome. Thank you. It'll be interesting because I've never been on a podcast as an interviewer or an interviewee. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, it's always good to try something and it's, uh, I think it's going to be really exciting. So feel free to ask whatever questions you would like. And we're going to focus a little bit on your questions about the cottage and the Airbnb rentals. I'm happy to, to share what I can with you and hopefully it helps some other listeners as well. Okay. Sounds good. All right, let's do it. Okay. So basically I have uh, eight investment properties and I'm starting to look, you know, towards retirement and you know what that's going to look like. And so we're looking to buy a cottage. So I know you have mentioned that you own a cottage, which you also rent out. That's why I reached out to you to get some, you know, more information on what's the best way to go about that. So when I asked my favorite investor-focused real estate agent to help me with the cottage purchase, she said that there are actually a lot of different clauses and things to know about a lake or cottage purchase that she doesn't have experience with. So she suggested I reach out to somebody, you know, kind of in the area that I want to buy. So I was wondering, you know, how did you find your realtor to buy the cottage and were they investor focused? And what are some of the things that they thought you should be aware of, you know, when buying a cottage or lake property? Yeah, absolutely. So I think with this one, we started looking for a cottage and we weren't really sure. These are great questions. We weren't really sure where we wanted to go. What we did not want is to drive north on the 400 highway because just, you know, where something could take two hours, it would take four to five hours just based on the summer traffic and everybody wanting to go north. So we really wanted to focus on being able to take the 407, which is the a toll highway with no traffic and, uh, and have a commute that was, you know, two hours max. And so we started looking in the Kawarthas. I live in Oakville, so Kawarthas is about two hours and has that 407 opportunity. And you know, probably looking back at it, I could have definitely asked some other investors that have cottages in different areas who they've worked with, but we ended up actually just calling some of the agents that were listing some of the properties that we liked, just as we were like dabbling in it, we weren't too sure where we wanted to go. We ended up coming across one realtor who was listing a cottage um, and started asking her some questions about it. And she used to be an investor, had gone to Costa Rica, uh, and then, you know, at that point sold her investments, came back as a realtor. So I had some experience as an investor prior, didn't have any current properties, but knew the cottage rental market quite well. And, uh, and I think that was important. And what we really liked about her is the property that she was listing. She's like, no, don't buy it <laughs> because it was a weedy lake. And we wanted this as a, as a cottage property that we can swim in the water. And I actually really liked that honesty. So we started looking with her and, uh, and that's actually how we found her. Cool. Yeah, that's one of the hard things about looking in the winter. We've been just, you know, kind of seeing what's out there. And you can't tell how many weeds are at the beach when they have like snowy pictures. <laughs> I know. Because it's um, like there are some lakes, like just one lake to the other can be night and day. And, uh, and then there's also like some lakes in the Kawarthas that have some issues with um, the natives and rice planting and just a lot of politics. So Google that stuff in those lakes beforehand. Cause one of the properties that we ended up liking originally was, uh, was a property. And we're like, where is all this green stuff like that we can kind of see above the snow and the, and the ice. And so we started researching and it was like rice that was being planted for oh, food. Wow. 
And it was like just a long battle between the cottage owners and the natives. And I'm like, you know what? There's nothing wrong with them. They can obviously do what they want, but I prefer not to have a cottage in a, uh, a place that is, uh, is going through all those political uh, back and forth issues. For sure. I think some of those cottages too, don't you lease the land from the natives? Yeah, so I wouldn't do anything with lease land. Yep. I would have to own the land. It's also a lot harder to get financing. So you got to look at that part. So when we started looking at cottages, we actually worked with my mortgage broker and she really advised that we find a four season because then it could count as a secondary home. We could actually just put 20% down, do a 30 year amortization. And as soon as you get into like three seasons, lease land, like it just becomes a lot more complicated when it comes to financing. Right. So 5% down isn't an option for a second home, like a cottage? No. No. So, I mean, unless it becomes your primary home and you're like going to live in it or something along those lines, right? Right. Secondary home or an investment property, 20% down. As soon as you get into like three season, you're probably looking at like 35% down and maybe, you know, a shorter amortization, which will make your payments higher. And then lease land, I mean, I just avoid it all altogether. Like it's just not, it's not worth it. Um, in my opinion, for, for the fact that you can never, like the resale is always going to be that stigma as well. And then there's a lot of things that you cannot do like Airbnb rentals or short-term rentals when you don't own the property and it's on leased. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, I just want to take a moment and interrupt the podcast to introduce you to my mortgage broker, Dahlia Barsoom, and her team at Streetwise Mortgages. Because everything around us is changing, the world as we know it is not going to be the same. COVID-19, the economic crisis is a time of uncertainty for many of us. And the lending and real estate landscape, they're changing quite rapidly day by day. Today's financing and investment decisions are going to be different than the ones that we made yesterday. Dahlia and her team are going to be able to help us maneuver through all of this. They're property investors themselves, so they've worked with thousands of real estate investors across Ontario, and they have their pulse and their finger on what's happening around us in real time from a real estate financing and investments point of view. Her team of advisors are committed to helping us keep informed and get that up-to-date information. And they're also going to be able to help us navigate through this crisis to also mitigate and minimize any financial distress during this whole transition, and also help us emerge out of this in a strong financial position so that we can leverage ourselves for some great opportunities that are going to be coming to us. They've been able to help many investors in times like this by really planning out your plan for the good, but also for the bad, because these circumstances that are happening are going to be very individual for all of us. And they're going to help navigate three key parts, financial stability, financial agility, and opportunity, and help you manage through those three things. When it comes to stability, how can you enhance your reserves and your liquidity to weather the storm? You're going to have a different plan, so it's important to get that individualized plan. How can you utilize mortgage payment deferrals? Should you? Should you not? Why or why not? Any debt restructuring opportunities, those are all things that Dahlia and her team can help you work with. Now, when it comes to financial agility, there's some things that you might want to talk about are how do you make some improvements to your monthly budget so that you can increase your cash flow? Are there any financing tools that you can use to cover some short-term cash flow deficits? When it comes to opportunity, there's going to be some great opportunity that's going to come out of this. How can you set yourself up? 
for success. So her and her team are going to be able to help you maneuver through these things and create a plan, not only for the good times, but also in times like this, so that you can handle the storm and come out ahead. Feel free to reach out to Dahlia and her team at info at streetwisemortgages.com or go to her website, streetwisemortgages.com. And now back to the show. Right. So are there any other things um, to be aware of when buying a cottage or lake property, like, you know, with the well water or anything like that? Yeah. So I think it's just really, really important to get an idea of like, what is it that you want to do with it, right? Is it just going to be for you or are you planning on, on renting it out on Airbnb? And if so, what's the market like in that area? Like, what can you get? So it's just good to look at that stuff. For us, it was important to have an area where there's like a town nearby, so it's not very isolated, right? So we wanted to have that. So we really narrowed it down to like a few places and we we picked Lakefield. So there's a small population there. Most of the people actually live there, not most, but I would say half of them on the lake live there as their primary home year round, which I thought was pretty cool. So the well water is not not a big deal. Like for us, we just need to make sure that it was heated so that it can be a four season because there's a few things, right? Like um, insulation, heating, the water, like all that stuff that can make it a three or four season. Now, the other thing is even if you buy something three season, you could have a certain time frame that you can turn it into a four season to get proper financing. So that could be something that you can figure out if that makes sense. But I just wanted something that was nice view, private, like privacy, that still had some good phone reception. Sometimes you go to cottages and your cell phone doesn't even work because you're so isolated. And, you know, we wanted to Airbnb that. So that wouldn't have worked if we were in that type of area. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's got like septic tank, which is fine. The water, well, it's, we actually have a UV treatment system so that you can actually drink the water. So there's a few things that I liked about it. It's five minutes away from like the grocery store, the LCBO, all those things. So it's got some great waterfront property. Now it's a little bit weedy. But there's, you know, things that you can do, like it's not overly weedy, like you can actually rake it out or get companies to um, clean it up so that you can still swim in it, which a lot of people do on the lake. Yeah. And some people prefer that. Like my husband's a fisherman and he looks for the weedy lakes. So we try to find the ones with the weeds not right on the beach (laughs) when we rent and then, but weeds out there, you know, so the fish can hide there and actually be in there. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So like that, I mean, it's a great, like what we have for fishing for sure. But then we try to just cut some of the weeds to create a swimming area Mm -hmm. every year, which, you know, it takes some time, but it's not, it's not that consuming. Like what you don't want is the ones where you like can't even swim because there's just too many of them. Right. Right. For sure. So I have a couple of corporations that I own investment properties in, and I was wondering what you feel are the implications of purchasing a cottage in your personal name versus in a corporation. Like you're renting it out, so it's kind of like a business, but yet, you know, you I, I want to retire to my cottage. You know, it will become my primary residence. So do you have any, you know, opinions about that? So I'm not a mortgage broker or an accountant. I would talk to both of them and then give them your specific scenario and situation on that. Like ours is actually in a corporation and it was just based on the lender that we were using at that point in time where it didn't make sense. So it, to, or it didn't make a difference to use our personal name or corporation. So we went ahead and just incorporated it. But I would just say like, it's not as clean cut as like maybe the US would be where like, it's like everyone's in an LLC or something like that. Just walk them through your, your scenario and what you want to do, and then just see what the pros and cons are. So I would say if you 
put it into a corporation, you're going to Airbnb it. At some point, you're going to have it as a primary residence. You're probably not going to want to take it and like transfer it from the corp to your personal name just because you don't want to pay the tax on it. Again, I'm not an accountant, but I would just say just talk to both of them and, and just see what the best option for you is. Okay. And then, so when you're going there, you know, for the weekend or whatever, do you write up the mileage because you're going to check on your rental property? Yeah, you can do it within reason. Like if we're going to, we we're going to replenish the stock or something like that, but we're still taking a few days, we will. We still wouldn't want to, you know, cause too many red flags <laughs> with, with it. Um, but we, we will write some of the kilometers off because obviously you have to still check up on it here and there. Right. And then furnishing it, I guess that's also, you know, a business expense. So that'd yeah. be nice to retire to a furnished cottage and be less expensive. <laughs> yeah, I think we, so we paid, I think it was like altogether, it was like $14,000 for furniture to furnish a four bedroom cottage. And we bought it all from Structube, which is actually pretty reasonably priced. And then the rest of the stuff from Amazon and we just had it all shipped. So it was, yeah, it's a lot of work, but you know what? I think part of it is I can command a higher price per night. I mean, we're asking for 500 a night in the summer. You know, everything is new. It is a four, like four bedroom. It is a four season, obviously not as, as much money in the winter, but it definitely carries itself. And I think people like the fact that it's modern, right? So like things that have a, a theme and a color pattern and all that stuff. Right. So do you know if some towns have rules against rentals or short-term rentals? Like, I guess your real estate agent in the area would be familiar with that. Yeah, definitely just do your research on that. For the Kawarthas, I mean, I can't paint every city, town and city with the same brush, but, you know, it's fine for the most part. I mean, I think as long as you're not on leased land and you own your property and there hasn't been a whole lot of back and forth complaints, it's just more the complaints from the other neighbors. Mm-hmm. So we called, we called the town prior just to see, you know, what their thoughts were and they're, they're fine with it. Yeah. Cause a friend of mine's on Dalrymple and I guess there's some problems there now, but she said, because they already have the cottage as a rental, like they're kind of grandfathered in. So. Hmm. so that's yeah. Good. yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, you also have to figure out like if you're, if you're right next to your neighbors and your neighbors can see and then there's all of these people and they're making tons of noise like you you might get more complaints right so i think our neighbors there's like some trees and forest in between so really it's pretty private and i think that was the other important part a to rent a private cottage people actually really enjoy that and they're not really looking into the other person's window because we had looked at some cottages like literally you could see the other person you know the dock was like three or four meters from the others and it was just too crammed I don't care how cheap that cottage would be. It just didn't make sense. And, you know, that's, I think, where you get more of the issues versus renting it where, you know, one one side of our, our place is a three-season cottage and uh, they're barely ever there. Hmm. The other side, you know, we became awesome friends with them. And uh, every time we're up, they come over for dinner and keep an eye on the place for us. So they're uh, they're pretty cool. So, you know, really, ultimately, as long as you're not getting complaints from the neighbor's should hopefully be okay. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that's a, a kind of a fine line in terms of number of bedrooms because you can get more, you know, nightly or weekly with more bedrooms, but at the same time, it could cause more problems if you've got, you know, like six bedrooms or something, it be- can become like a party house that can generate complaints. 
Yeah, well, that and it's more wear and tear, and also like can your septic and your water and all of your utilities and stuff handle all those extra people? And do you want that many people? Because for the price difference, it might not be worth it. Like, so for us, like we don't really actually want any more than like nine people max. And it's, mm. you know, and it's more because the more people you have, the more wear and tear you have. So yeah. you just gotta fi- figure out the pros and cons. If you're gonna be, you know, using it for yourself too. There's always going to be little things, right? That's the thing to keep in mind. You go up and they're like, you're like, oh, you know, this is now used or scratched or broken or, you know, it could be little things and it's not, but they just add up. So you have to, it happens. I know like my boyfriend, Matt gets frustrated sometimes. He's like, all the dishes are moved all around. I'm like, listen, you just made $3,500 this week. (laughs) Worth it (laughs) to move a couple of dishes back. Yeah, exactly. Like your wine glasses, like we, we like wine. And so we want to get like, you know, the glass wine glasses, but like we're never replacing them every single year. They just, even sometimes I break them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you use Airbnb to rent out your cottage or do you use one of those other ones like Ontario Cottage Rentals or Cottages in Canada? Yeah. So I use Airbnb and another company called Coartha Cottage Rentals. I would say the majority of my, maybe 80% of my clients come from Airbnb and then the rest come from the other company, which the other company will post on like VRBO and everything else. So essentially I'm in every, pretty much every site. Um, they just take a higher percentage. I think they take like 15 or 20%. Airbnb does or? The no, Airbnb? the other company. Airbnb is like, I don't know, like what is it? Four or 7% or I don't know, something super cheap in comparison anyways. Do you put it on Facebook marketplace? I've heard a lot of people have success with that for regular rentals. I don't. So like part, I think part of it is just like, I just don't really use Facebook in general, but when it comes to Airbnb, like we actually turn down a lot of people. Like I want to make sure that they have their own positive reviews from other places. And like, if someone's never stayed anywhere before, I actually won't even, I won't take the chance. And I think that's, I'd rather miss out on $3,000 or $4,000 or whatever it is. And, you know, make sure that I know who is renting my place and that they've got other places, you know, the, the more that they have positive reviews, I think the better they'll try to keep the place tidy and nice and take care of it so that they keep their reviews up. So, you know, like in the past, you know, month, every month, I, I think I probably reject one week because somebody just doesn't have, you know, the, uh, the criteria. But you, is it usually rented every week? In the summer, um, what we do is we rent it for a week every long weekend. So yes, I'm putting a lot of money, which I'm not getting because the long weekends are probably <laughs> the most lucrative of the week of the weekends. But um, we take a week every long weekend and it is what it is because we still want to use it for us. And then we put the rest up to be rented. And then in the summer, it pretty much gets rented other than the, week, the weeks that we use ourselves. That's good. So does Airbnb take care of the cleaning or the, does the other company or you arrange that privately? Yeah. So they don't, they won't take care of that. The other company won't either. Okay. And if they do, they may coordinate it, but my company that I work for doesn't or that I work with doesn't, there might be some out there that might. Um, I hired a local cleaner who um, probably lives like two or three minutes away from my cottage, like right in town. She's 20 bucks an hour. She goes and then uh, she cleans. And then I just basically send her e-transfers. And then we have a locked up storage area where like, when we go up, we'll like replenish it with like, you know, toilet paper and Kleenex and soaps and cleaning supplies. And then she just uh, unlocks that and gets the stuff that she needs when she needs to clean. So how did you find her? Was it like Kijiji or a referral? It was a referral 
from somebody else that I probably had another referral from. So originally we had used a, another cleaner. She was good, but she was expensive. And then she charged for like all the kilometers for like driving back and forth on top of it. Mm. So every time we had our clean, it was like 200 bucks or something or 250, which was, you know, a quick way to just get started, but not sustainable. So I think over time, just by asking people around like store owners in the area and things like that, like I became friends with some of the store, <laughs> the store owners in town. And I think that's how she came as a referral when I was just mentioning that I was looking for a cleaner hmm. and um, yeah. And then now she's 20 bucks an hour. So it costs maybe 80 or hundred bucks every time she goes, she does all the laundry, puts the bed sheets back or not depending on if they need bed sheets or not. Yeah, I know she's been pretty good. So she's probably been working for us now for about a year and a half. That's good to have somebody reliable. Yeah, it definitely keeps uh, keeps it simple because for us to go and clean, it just doesn't make sense because it's two hours back and two hours, two hours here and uh, she's five minutes away. So. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team. Dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals. And Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors. And Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome, Dylan. And thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the, the equity. Or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single family purchases, and the list goes on. That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go? They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca, Give us a call or text at 905-592-4220 or check us out at The Right Club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. Right. So one other thing I just thought of to ask is, is there anything you do to differentiate your cottage from others, like to make it more desirable? Like in the city, you know, you could rent out a parking spot, you could, you know, rent out storage, like something to, you know, charge a bit more of a premium. Yeah. I mean, I think our cottage, the fact that it has Wi-Fi, it has air conditioning, it feels like a house on the lake, mm-hmm. I think definitely helps. It's got some, you know, great lake fronts, frontage. It has privacy. It has, you know, new furniture. I think that helps quite a bit. And then over time, you're going to get your reviews and they're going to be positive because you're going to make sure that everyone's happy, et cetera. And you're going to become a super host. 
And when you become a super host, I mean, some people just search super host. So just keep your ratings high, make sure that the clients get a little bit above and beyond. So sometimes we'll do like a wine bottle with a little card that says, enjoy the cottage, you know, have a drink on us, something like that. Not necessary, but it can go a long way. And, you know, I, I think just like, it's, it doesn't feel dated. We advertise and what's advertised is accurate. And, and I think that goes with the, uh, the reviews that you get as well. Cool. Okay. So actually, how do you become a super host? Like, do you have to have a certain number of stays? Yeah, a certain number of stays and then a certain rating as well. And then Airbnb, as an example, they'll like look every three months um, and then they'll just like re, um, renew your status essentially. Right. And they suggest what you should charge. Is that right? I think I've heard that. Yeah, but they always suggest lower. So I would say look at what's in your area and how many reviews they've had and look at their calendars and see how many blocked off days they have and then make your price based on that. Um, Because when I look at what they're suggesting, it's like sometimes it's so low that I'm like, I would rather just not rent it at that price and not have the wear and tear, you know, (laughs) and then just rent it more in the summer where I can get the majority of my money to carry the cottage for the rest of the year. Right. So does uh, renting it for the time in the summer carry the cottage for the whole year, even though you're using it like for, you know, the long weekend weeks? Yeah. Like I think roughly, I mean, there's a few friends that we rented it to separately, but like from Airbnb, we made 30 grand. Nice. Our cottage probably carrying costs about 25,000 just with everything, right? Like utilities and internet and stuff like that. And then the other, the other you know, amount that we made on top of that. So I think for us, it's like, it's not going to be the same cash flow as you might get with a multifamily property, but like, we've got a cottage that we can enjoy. So the Mm -hmm. fact that it pays for itself and I've used a property that I refinanced to use as a down payment money, Mm -hmm. which didn't even come from us. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's pretty cool. And then we bought our cottage for 485, put in, I think 40, 50 grand of renos, and it's worth about 630, 640 in today's today's market. So I think overall, I mean it's it's a, it was a great purchase. Like, yeah, we're not gonna, you know, make a thousand dollars a month cash flow every single month. Like, especially in the winter, it's not as lucrative. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll we'll have like because we're close to a boarding school, like there's actually parents that come from like around the world that will stay uh, mm-hmm. during the winter. Like we've got one person she comes like probably every couple months and she stays for about 10 days. And then the winter it'll probably be $150 a night. Um, you know, and we rented it to some divers that had uh, from Montreal last year. They came for like, you know, a couple months and they stayed at our place for like December and January. Usually in March, March break, we'll get something. But your money really comes from like, you know, May 2-4 essentially to actually goes up till um, like October, like Thanksgiving. And then it, it quiets down. Right. So if somebody wanted to rent it for like a month, would you give them a discount then? Not in the summer. Because in the summer, I'll, I'll rent it anyways. Um, Just in the winter, in the winter maybe? I, I might consider it. Yeah. I, and again, I like I have to see if I want to be going up there myself, because if I want to be going my, there myself and they want to be there for a whole month, I like I might just turn them down because I'd rather have the convenience of me using it and still carrying itself than you know, not be able to see it for a month if I've got plans to go up that month already. So it just depends on what you want. Out of curiosity, what does it cost you to go from Oakville to Lakefield on the 407? 
50, 60 bucks. <laughs> I think it's pretty expensive, but it's worth it if it saves me time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, I think that's all the questions that I have. So are you ready to do the lightning round? <laughs> <laughs> sure, let's do the lightning round. Okay, cool. This is the first time I'm answering the lightning round questions. Okay, Sarah, what is your favorite real estate investing book ever? <sighs> My favorite real estate investing book ever? I think probably Gary Keller, A Millionaire Real Estate Investor. I think it was very motivating. I also, it's hard to pick one. Um, I also really like Don Campbell's books for Canada. There's specific Canadian content that you won't get elsewhere. And so that's how I got started is I really, you know, got into bigger pockets and then it was Gary Keller's books and then the bigger pockets books that they have released. And then Don Campbell had like Canadian specific content. I'm like, Oh, this is even more applicable. So yeah. One thing leads to another, doesn't it? It does. So I, I guess all of those, <laughs> did I fail my question? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. What is your favorite podcast? My favorite podcast, I would have to say is the smart passive income podcast from Pat Flynn. And it's not really real estate specific, but it gives you so much great insight for like just even being an entrepreneur and creating passive income. Hmm. I'll have to check that one out. Okay. So when you're not at the cottage and you're not doing your real estate investing stuff, what is your favorite pastime? I love just hanging out with my friends and having people over and having dinners and like creating these like five course menus with like wine pairing and then just having my chef cook them. <laughs> I was going to say, you don't cook them, do you? <laughs> no, but sometimes we'll do like, we each bring a meal with a wine and then we pair that. So like, I like to do all of that stuff. Like I love just being outside in the summer, not in the winter. Yeah you know, walking and um, I like going to the gym and just like food, like trying different restaurants when we don't have any more food because our chef is coming soon. <laughs> so, I, uh, I like going to the spa, getting massages, relaxing when I can. So <laughs> like a pretty good life. <laughs> it's not horrible. It's not horrible. <laughs> okay. If you lost all of your money and assets tomorrow, how would you start again? I think if I lost all of my money and my assets tomorrow, I still would have my experience and my network. So I would start again. I would just have the ability to really reach out to the people that I know now, which I didn't have before. And I have so much more knowledge. So I'd probably still do some burrs and I'd probably do some JVs and then get myself back on my feet. But uh, I actually wouldn't be that worried. I really wouldn't. Because, you know, if I, if I lost all of my money, I, like... And my assets, I would just need to figure out what the hell happened. And, uh, and don't then, do it again. <laughs> don't do it again. <laughs> and, uh, and then JV, because I think ultimately having built a network is going, and, and they say your network is your net worth. I would, uh, I would reach out to them and uh, figure out how I can help them and vice versa. Okay. And if someone has $50,000 and they want to get started in real estate, how would you suggest they get started? So $50,000, I would say, use a little bit to hire somebody to help you guide you, whether it's a coach or a mentor or take a class, and then use the rest to go out and take action. And if you only have $40,000 left, well, maybe that's not enough to buy a property, but see if there's somebody else that can hold the mortgage, put the rest of the down payment, do some kind of joint venture, and then start that way or go into a, a really cheap market <laughs> and find a really cheap property. Um, 
as long as it meets some fundamentals and go there and start that way. Or you can start loaning it out at a percentage, right? 10, 12, 15% until you accumulate enough. Loan it out to an investor that might need that 40 or 50 grand mm-hmm. um, as a promissory note or whatnot. Loan it out until you get enough to really go ahead and, uh, and put that into an actual investment. So there's lots of options and uh, you know, just be creative with it. So do you have any final pieces of advice for your listeners? I think what I would say is, you know, I'm here with what I have because I took action, even though in the beginning I really didn't know what I was doing. I really didn't. Um, And then I just figured it out over time and then just took some more action, figured out a little bit more, took more action. And then you develop your processes and your strategies over time. But I think I also always focused on the end goal of having that freedom and time, um, which like at this time of this year, you know, I just had a conversation with Dahlia, my mortgage broker, and she's like, you could actually leave your job after you refinance this last property, which is really cool. And I've had the conversation with my boss saying, you know, at this point, <laughs> I'm not working for money. So yeah. like, I'm going to either leave, but if you really need me, I'll consider staying part-time. And he's like, I'll take it. I'll take the part-time. I have to just create a position if there's even such a thing because no one's on part-time but it's a really cool position to be in because now I'm working because I a he is the best boss ever so like I definitely want to find my replacement and do it properly and you know help as much as I can but ultimately I did this for freedom of time and not having to work for 30 years and it took me seven and I can say at this point in time I have the ability to choose now what I want to do moving forward so that's really cool Yeah, seven's pretty good. Better than 30. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Michelle. It was, uh, it was really awesome having, uh, having the tables reversed, you asking me questions, but before we go, can you tell us a little bit about, about you? So I'm 45 years old. I'm happily married to my high school sweetheart. I have two teenage boys. I've been working for the same import export company since 1998 when I graduated from U of T. But now, like I have my, I bought my first investment property in 2012. So, you know, I'm kind of thinking about life after retirement as well. I also have a great boss. So he's let me work now four days a week. So I plan to just kind of, you know, fade kind of like till fewer and fewer days and, you know, hopefully be able to spend time at the cottage. And so, yeah. Amazing. So, and you've, you said that at the beginning, you have eight properties. Yep. Yep. So I started with the rent to own in Hamilton in 2012. I'm a member of Rockstar Real Estate. So it's an investment club. So they, you know, helped me, you know, with the first few. And so then uh, after the rent to own, I decided that I didn't want to sell it. Uh, I wanted to keep the properties that I buy. So then I bought a couple of duplexes uh, in Hamilton then I bought a duplex in St. Catharines that I converted to a triplex um, that went way over budget, but is like such an amazing property that, you know, it's, you can really see how it's hard to go wrong in real estate, no matter what you spend <laughs> or overspend. Then I got pushed further out because of the increasing prices. So we ended up with a fourplex in Welland. Uh, and then recently we bought two properties in Timmins uh, with a joint venture partner uh, who has a bunch of doors up there. Uh, they were 22,000 for a triplex and 50,000 wow. for a triplex. So yeah, 
Um, if you did have $50,000 and wanted to get started, you could go to Timmins. <laughs> Very cool. I, I should look into Timmins. What are some of the fundamentals that you, um, you liked about Timmins? Well, I, the, the price of the, like the rent to price ratio is crazy. Like these tenants for what they're paying in rent, like they could be buying the place. Like it's crazy. Uh, the prices of the rents do fluctuate with the price of gold because it is a gold town. Um, but still, like, even at their lowest, like, the cash flow is, like, amazing. And to have someone up there, I think she has, like, 30 doors up there. So, I mean, I would never, you know, go up there and buy it on my own. Like, the the tenant profile isn't as great as you would get here. Um but like I said, I just bought for the cash flow and the prices were so cheap. Like I bought them on my line of credit. So <laughs> I don't know. I like to try different things, you know, buy different. I have a student rental in Hamilton as well. So just, I don't know. I know they say you should stick to one strategy and, you know, become an expert at it. But I kind of just, you know, like I like to try different things and just keep life interesting. So the next purchase will hopefully be a cottage. Very cool. So just to go back on the Timmins one, because it's really intriguing. So like, what's the rent on that triplex as an example for that 50,000? Like you bought it for 50,000. What's the rent? Um, I think it's like, like 3000 a month. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. I know. So is this common or was it like, like a triplex that needed a lot of revitalization? They did. They did need a lot of work. They were bank repos. So my joint venture partner I met at Rockstar a few years ago, and she knew of this investor who was defaulting on all his properties. She tried to help him out like by buying them, but he was just like kind of too far gone with what he owed the bank. So she just waited in the sidelines until the bank, you know, repossessed them. And then, you know, the prices kept going down and down. And then, you know, uh, two Novembers ago, I guess it was, my husband and I decided to drive up there, like just do a road trip. And she showed us around and, you know, they were in really bad shape, but she has a, a property investment or property management company up there. Um, and she basically, you know, burst them. So we're actually, we are putting mortgages on them now. So we, I think we have 200,000 all in for both of them. And we just got a mortgage for 120 on one of them. And we're hoping to get a mortgage for like 90 on the other. So hopefully we'll be able to pull our, all our money out. That is very cool. So you are the mortgage holder and the, and the person that put the money initially, right? Yes. Okay. Got it. Cool. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. And, uh, and Michelle, if you need any help with, uh, with your cottage search as you're looking, I'm happy to, to help just reach out anytime. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that work. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, 
I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.